I believe Brayton's supposed to have a special this morning. Serve God, it's because we love Him. 
And what did he do? He loved us so much that he sent his son. Everything rides on love. I love that message. This morning, as we're facing the new year, I I entitled my message, Changing Directions. You know, New Year's seems to always be a time of, of change. You know, whether it be the weight loss or the Bible study or, or whatever, we want to change, motivate ourselves at the beginning of the new year. But this morning, I want to present something that I believe will last. Not just fade out with time, but something that will last. And it's a promise that's given to us in James 4. And if you will, open your Bibles there to James 4 and stand with me as we read God's Word. It says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you, in verse 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you so much for allowing us to come and to worship here in this place. Help us to take something away from your scripture today that will not only change our lives this year, but change our lives forever. Dear Lord, help us to draw near to you so that we can serve you, dear Lord, and that we can move forward for you. In your name I pray, amen. As I told Jim this morning, I've got rubber bands. Go to sleep. No, I'll leave them in my pocket. But, uh, you know, as I look across James 4, I see a description of our country, of our world. And, wow, the world we live in, how quick it fades, how morally corrupt it seems to be at times. As we look back at verse 1, it says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? As we look at that, I thought, man, this describes our world today. And probably as we go on into verse 2 and 3, we'll see it even goes further than that. You see, our society is a society of quarreling. Fighting. Uh, you think I'm kidding? Talk about politics today. And, uh, you know, I usually I avoid preaching on politics, but just in general, everybody's got an opinion. And, you know, this group wants this, and, this, and another group wants something else. And they fight it, they argue it over it, and, and they present it to the public, you know. But everything comes down to a group of people wanting something. And the question I'd like to consider this morning was, what does God want for us? What does God want for our country? Our society demands that we have an opinion on everything, especially if it's different. Political correctness, it makes me laugh. Because I have a definition for political correctness here. It avoids standing for beliefs and vaguely tells nothing. 
that, that's pretty much political correctness. In a nutshell. And I believe through God's word we are told to stand for our beliefs. And you see here in this verse, verse 1, it says, "They Come they not hence. James is posing the question, this is where your wars and your fightings come from. Even of your lust, that war in your members. If you turn over to James 1, just a page or so back, verses 13 through 14, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So where do our wars come from? Where do, where do they come from? They come from people wanting. In all of our lust, and if you go back to that James 1, 13 and 14, in all of our lust, where is God? After the uh, shooting here a couple of weeks ago, uh, and this is politics and, and, and whatever, but uh, Governor is Christian put on uh, put on a website that you know we, we took prayer out of school, we took Bible reading out of school, and in the midst of an accident like that, we ask ourselves, where is God? And the fact of the matter is, not only in our school but in our society, we've escorted him right out. Because of our wants and our desires, God seems to be absent in the world we live in. We are a society of want. If you look at verse 2 and 3, it says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. In America, we can get just about anything we want at the click of a button. Online. Our country is very material focused. Every year, the Friday after Thanksgiving, people are willing to fight at Walmarts around the country for things they want. Over the past year, we've had Shootings very near to us. Not, not only the shooting out there, but shootings near to us over want and desires. But a more pressing issue that I see on the killing side, that, that, verse, uh, that verse 2 says, ye kill and desire to have, is I see families, couples across America, and our government has even legalized it, that they being young and want to have a full and free uh, marriage or, or whatever it is, they get pregnant and kill a little baby because that's not what they want. This is something our government is allowing. They're allowing that we kill for what we want. Some may think we don't kill... In America, but abortion is killing. And it happens in our country every day. And the scriptures 
says we are asking amiss. That's a very polite way for saying we are messing up. In our own lives, we are people of want. And I want to take this just a week back. Christmas. And, and I'm at fault here. But at Christmas last week, how many of us prayed to God for something spiritual to happen this Christmas? See, most of us, including me, we, we asked for what we wanted, material, and we probably got it because we're material focused. But what about maybe asking God for some lost person to know Christ this past Christmas? What about asking for maybe some prodigal out there living the adulterous life or living a life in sin to see the love of Christ this Christmas and start living for Christ? See, as I read this scripture, that thought came to me about a week too late. But it's not too late. We can still show the love of Christ. We can still be Christians and show Christ throughout the world we live in. We have a society that is quite different from what God had planned. But He also has a desire for us. As I look at uh, verse 4, how do you... How do we take what is so messed up with our lives and our country and fix it? I think it begins with looking at God's desire for us. In verse 4, he says, Ye adulterers and ye adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. You see, a friendship and not an enmity, as I put in your uh, bulletin, we ought to be concerned with the relationship that we have with Christ. We ought to be befriending Christ instead of befriending the world. Where's our focus? So many times we see the nation of Israel in the Bible going away from God. Causing, as a matter of fact, the Bible says, causing God's anger to be kindled. Yet Israel was supposed to be God's chosen people. Israel was the group of people which he decided to send his only son into. After all they did against God, what was God's plan for them to get back to him? We can see that if you'll turn with me to 2 Chronicles. Verse 7, or chapter 7 rather, and verse 14. Probably a, a verse most of you know. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. How do we get back from being an enemy of God to a friend of God? We seek God rather than fight against Him. It's plain, pretty plain and simple. We need to be a people that God has called out rather than an enemy He is fighting against. 
And we need to strive for a relationship rather than enmity. Strife. Conflict. We need to strive for that union that we have in Christ. A bond of love, as Braden sang. But not also do we need to strive for friendship rather than enmity. We need to strive to be a servant rather than the master. It's pretty evident that God wants us to be his servant rather than us taking the master position. James 4, 5 through 6 says, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Either we will serve our flesh, which wants to lust, or we will serve God, who gives more grace. God showed his grace toward me in that he sent his son for me, the scripture says. And I'm thankful for that, and in thankfulness to that, I will serve him gladly. Submission to Him should be our mindset, but yet a lot of times we assume the master role. A lot of times we in our own personal lives, we think, I can get it done. I can do this. I can do that. But what is God's desire for me? Where is God leading me? And, and you know, most of that does come from that study of God's Word. Most of that leading, uh, knowing what's right and wrong, comes from an in-depth study of God's Word, knowing the Scripture, looking, for God, looking to God for answers. But how do we take ourselves out of that role? God longs for us to let Him rule and reign in our lives. But often we won't let Him. As a matter of fact, uh, you can go back to when the people elected King Saul. You remember that? What did God desire for the nation of Israel? That he be king. That, that's, what, that's what God wanted. But because the people were hardened, he allowed Saul to come into place. But God wanted to be king. I think John 15 tells us a little more into this. John 15 and verse 20 says, Remember the word that I said unto you. This is Jesus speaking. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Jesus is telling them about the persecution that's to come, but also in that scripture you can see a very clear description. The servant is not greater than the master. Guys, we may be great, we may be good, we may be awesome, but we are not God. He's the master. Put him on the throne this year. You know, not only... Do we see a description of, of our world, the desire of God? But in these scriptures, we can see our direction. 
We can see our direction, and, and that includes the verse we read at the beginning. But in verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Who's the master, God or Satan? The devil desires, and you can see this in Isaiah 14. You'll flip over there with me, Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 14. The devil's desire I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. The devil's desire is to take God's place as the master. He wants, he wants to sit on that throne. He wants to be the uh, leader. He wants to be God. And you know, when we give over to the desires of man, when we give over to our flesh, we are putting Satan on the throne. And what I mean by that is in Matthew 16, verse 23. This is the instance where uh, Jesus turned to Peter, said, get behind me, Satan. He says something very clear in verse 23. He says, but he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. You can look at that scripture and you can see why did God call him Satan? Because he desired the things of man rather than the things of God. When we get over in this world and we we desire uh, to make men happy rather than God, we're we're giving the rulership, the mastership to Satan. But we can look there in verse 8 and see the next direction. Draw draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, a couple of years ago, a matter of fact, the week after New Year, uh, in 2011, I preached a sermon here on a Sunday night entitled, Moving Forward. And that sermon, you know, I thought it was a great sermon. I think God used it. But I got to realizing this past week as studying for this, we as Christians can never move forward unless we move close. Unless we're close to God, we'll never move forward for God. And I think a lot of times, especially uh, in, in our world today, people are so focused about moving forward that they move far from God. They think about, oh, this new year, 2013, whatever, I want to move forward, but they forget about moving closer. And that's why I entitled this message, Changing Directions. It's time that we, we stop, and I don't mean we stop altogether moving forward, but we take our time to move closer. When we move closer to God, we will move forward for God. It's time we change directions. 
to know God's will for our lives, we have to know Him in our lives. What an amazing promise it is that as we draw near to God, as we, as Second uh, Chronicles says, seek His face, Second Chronicles in this verse kind of go hand in hand. Second Chronicles said, you will find Him. What does this verse say? As you draw nigh to Him, He will draw nigh, draw nigh to you. The closer I get, the harder I search for God, the more I will find Him. And I think that comes from that Bible study. You know, I'm, like I said, Bible study is a great thing. If you want to pick that up for this new year and, and do that thing that a lot of our church members do, and, and they read through the Bible in a year, that's awesome. But as you're doing that, pray to God. Ask Him for guidance. Don't just read it and be done. Seek God in what you're reading. God is not going to run away. I love that point. And a lot of us don't think about it. But, you know, if I was out playing hide and go seek and I got near to someone and if tag was the goal or whatever, they would probably run away. But God's not that way. As I draw near to Him, He's drawing near to me. He's not going to run away. What an amazing promise. Our seeking, our drawing, our, our, our efforts are not in vain. Because as we draw near, He will draw near. It's, all, it's a promise. But how do we draw near? We have to do it with all our heart. James 4 and 8 says, Purify your hearts. You know, we have to have a goal, a focus. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, it says, And ye shall seek me, and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah says that we have to search with all our hearts. James says we need to purify our hearts. We need to get on focused. And that's my last point. We have to be focused. This is an intentional strategy or, or whatever you want to call it. A change of direction. This is intentional. We have to be focused. The book of James uses a uh, phrase that we don't normally see, but it says in verse 8, uh, Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. In James 1.8, we see that a double-minded man is uh, unstable in all his ways. If we go about this process and we are seeking two goals, we're unstable. We're not going to get there. But if we are going about seeking God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, we will find Him. We will find Him because we've searched for Him. You know, it, it reminds me, what, what did... What did Christ say? The greatest commandment was love your God with all your heart, mind, 
soul. We're to love Him with everything we have. We're to search for Him with everything we have. We can't seek God while seeking entertainment. You see, the fact of it is, entertainment in our lives comes and goes. But God's here to stay. We must seek God, and along the way, sure, entertainment will come and go, but that's not what we're searching for. We can seek God, and troubles will come and they will go, but that's not what we're searching for. If those things are on our hearts and on our minds as we're seeking after God, then He's not the focus. We have to focus in on Him. You see, this, this year, I want it to be a year for our church because it, it, it starts with us individually. It moves to our congregation here as a church and hopefully and eventually it will move into our world that we change directions and draw near to God so that He can draw near to us. As our song minister comes, I want to stop for a moment. And think, somewhere along the way, in our country, in our lives, whatever, we were moving forward for God and we moved far from God. We need to draw near to Him. And if you're here this morning and you say, well, how do I draw nigh to God? And, and you've, you've never accepted Him as your Savior. You, you won't until you do that. You need to know Him as Savior before you can ever know Him as Lord and Master. This morning, as we, as we sing, may you make a decision to draw near to God.